Good morning. Good to see you. Uh, driving down here today, it was good to see you, right? Wow. You know, my idea of heaven uh, doesn't involve clouds anymore, because that's all we've been living in is a lot of clouds. Um, my name's uh, Paul Murphy, and I've been uh, coming to K2 for about five years, and uh, I think we have a picture of my family I'd like you to see. That's my wife, Jenna, and my son, Alex, my daughter, Hannah, my son, Jackson, and right next to me, you can barely see him, but that's my dog, Sadie. And we live up in Bountiful. We live up in lots and lots of snow. And uh, about a month ago, uh, Dave Nelson, the lead pastor here, uh, grabbed me in the parking lot. He says, hey, Paul, I'd like you to preach in about a month. And I said, oh, cool. What about? And he says, about being rich. And I thought, being rich? I'm the last guy who knows anything about being rich. Um, this shirt I'm wearing, four bucks at DI. It's one of my better shirts. Um, so I, 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 I've never thought of myself, I, 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 I think of myself as being thrifty. My wife would probably think of the word cheap. And uh, so when I laughed at Dave saying he'd like me to talk about being rich, uh, I think I hurt his feelings because apparently he had just got done preaching that we are rich. Uh, during week one of this series, he says, we are rich. Here in the United States, we are in the top 1% of the entire world as far as making money. Uh, I think some of us, I, I think what he said was, was that no matter how much money you have, you always think that you need twice as much more. But the truth is, we're financially rich. And second, we're spiritually rich because we have everything that God has to offer. In uh, week two, he talked about being wise. Being wise with money, not to put your hope in money. And then in week three, he talked about being careful, to be careful with your money because money competes with your heart. The things we want often get in the way with our relationship with God. So we had three Bs, be aware we're rich, be wise, be careful, and then today we're going to have the fourth B, which is be trustworthy. So before we begin, I'm going to pray. Father in heaven, thank you, thank you, God, for such a glorious day. We're uh, grateful that you can see our hearts no matter how much fog is out there. We're grateful that you know us, that you love us. And God, we just ask that we will be able to see you, to hear you, and to understand what your will is for us. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I've been thinking about uh, this uh, sermon for a little while, and uh, we've been looking at a parable called the Parable of the Unjust Steward, which is actually a really, really difficult uh, parable to understand. And uh, just last week, I met this guy that, man, whenever I see him, I see Jesus. And so I'm going to invite my new friend at K2, Sean Mooney, up to the stage, and he's going to read to us the Parable of the Unjust Steward. He's going to be Jesus today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, very, very tall Jesus. Yes, yes, very tall and goofy. No pressure, right? Uh, let me read this to you all. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, 
how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Awesome, thank you. All right, stick around, okay. So, uh, did you guys get that parable? Uh, sometimes Jesus would, would say a parable and, and people would go, oh, I get that one. But there were other times where the disciples would go, I still don't know what you're talking about. And I mean, there, there, there's the parable of the lost sheep. I understand that one. The parable of the prodigal son. Some of the ones involving uh, seeds and things like that. Those were easy to understand. But this one's kind of hard to understand because the first time I read it, we see this guy that's about to lose his job. And he starts cutting deals with all of the customers that, that kind of ripping off his manager. It looks like Jesus is giving an attaboy to a guy that's ripping off his boss. But that's not what really is going on here. Most people who have looked at this parable think that this guy was actually acting shrewdly. He was probably getting rid of his own commissions and getting his boss the money back quickly because he knew he was about to lose a job. So uh, he acted wisely in what he was trying to do. Um, and the, the one thing that's also very clear about this passage is, is that he, he is managing someone else's money. So in most parables, you've got to think, who's, who's this person we're talking about? He's actually talking about us. We're actually managing other people's money. Everything we have, everything that's been given to us, was given to us from God. And uh, I was starting to think about my possessions, what, what things that I really hold closely to. And for me, it's uh, uh, records and Beatles stuff. And when I was a kid, uh, well, maybe not a kid, but when I was in college, I would uh, judge uh, girlfriends based on how they handled records. <laughs> so if, if a girl took the record out and she held it like this, she was a keeper. But if she put her fingers all over the vinyl, I got plastic on this one, that's why I can touch it. That was pretty much our last date. So how, how closely do you hold on to things? How about your car? How about your, uh, I don't know, do people even have stamp collections anymore? What is it that you really hold on to and you don't want anybody to mess with? Uh, it made me think about uh, how, how our heart is and how we think about uh, money, our possessions, and whether our, our hope and our trust is in God or if it's in our possessions. Um, some of you might know that I grew up LDS, and um, I came across a, a passage that I was reading a, about money and how we handled money, and it was in Malachi, and it's uh, verses 8 and 9, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9.
This is God talking. He says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. So I, I read this passage and I thought, wow, that just sounds really Old Testament. It is in the Old Testament. And I was thinking, well, when I stopped going to the LDS church, I thought I didn't have to tithe any longer. I thought that was kind of gone. Uh, so I went and talked to some friends and they said, I said, do we still have to tithe? Do we still give 10% or is that just something that I had to do when I was LDS? And they said, no, you, you do need to tithe. You do need to give to God 10%. He has given you everything and he's asked for 10% back to, to test your heart. In fact, they told me that uh, not only should you give 10%, but you should give other money to charity, that you should be generous with what you have. And that really wasn't the answer I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that, oh, that's, that's just something they used to do. It's like not eating pork or something like that. But God actually wants us to tithe. Uh, and I've, I've shared my struggles with tithing with some of my friends at K2, and, and what surprised me was how how opposite their approach was. They immediately got it. They says, oh, I want to tithe. How do you do it? What, what can I do to get involved so that I can tithe? And, and they really seemed to love what God had offered them to do, this opportunity to give back. I did also remember reading in, in verse 10 what God promised to those who tithe. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I, I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have not enough room for it. So God promises to open up the heavens, to give us a treasure if, if we pay a tithing. And I, I really didn't want to test God on this. I, I basically handed the checkbook to my wife. I said, you pay, you pay the tithing so I don't even have to think of it. I, just, I, I didn't want to be tempted not to tithe. And one year while we were tithing, uh, Jenna, on her own, not, without a, not asking me, she decided she was going to give an extra $50 a month. So at the end of the year, we saw that we'd given $600 more to the church. And I just said, oh, that's awful. <laughs> but that very same month, uh, I received a $6,000 raise. And this is one of those stories that, where I thought God was clearly sending me a message. He was saying, look, you gave it 10% more, I gave, I gave it all back to you and then some. But this is one of those stories that's like, results may vary at home. Uh, if, you, if you give five bucks, you know, there's no, there's no guarantee that God is gonna give you 50 bucks, but what you will find out is that God will bless you. He will give you true riches. It won't necessarily be financial riches, but what you may have is actually the true riches. So the second part of the passage I'm going to read again is uh, from Luke, though I like Sean's reading much better, uh, verses 3 and 4. This is, this is what happened to the manager. He said, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, these people will welcome me into their homes. And I can relate to this guy. I don't know how to dig very well. I do not like to beg. And uh, I, I, I would want some other approach that I could take care of things. So uh, the thing that we learn here is, is that he's preparing for his future. 
He's actually preparing for his future, and he's doing it with money, and he's doing it with relationships. The, the thing that we need to know is whether we're good stewards with our money and whether we love Jesus more than our stuff. And Sean, I'm going to invite you back up here again, and you're going to read verses 8 through 9, and then I'm, I'm going to have some questions for you. Thanks, Paul. Welcome back. Welcome. Thanks. Let's see, 8 through 9, right? From right. Luke? Okay. I wish you were just a little taller so this was higher. I'll, I'll stand up. If I'm bending over, I apologize. I'm joking about that. Um, the master commended this, the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Very good. So I, part of the reason I, I invited Sean up here was that we were talking a little bit about your life. And uh, at, at a young age, you were an athlete. You were just kind of out there doing stuff. But uh, you were also preparing for your future in a different way. What was that like? Well, I think uh, before I knew who Jesus was, one of my gods was uh, basketball, uh, as evidenced maybe by the fact that I'm tall. Paul asked me earlier what my gift was, and it may be my height. I don't know. Uh, bad sense of humor also, I think. Uh, nonetheless, I saw, I was playing with some young men who had Division One basketball scholarships on this all-star team, and it was a Christian uh, all-star team, and they asked me if I had a testimony of Christ, and I, and I didn't. And um, I said, I don't think I can play on that team. They're going to travel, and they're going to talk about their love for Jesus. And, and the coach said, no, we want you. Come. And I listened to these young men who I thought had uh, what I wanted, what I looked at as my God, uh, a Division I basketball scholarship. And I listened to them pour out their hearts about how they love Jesus and what that meant to them. And so my success changed. I asked God to come into my heart. And my vision of the world changed at that moment. And so how, how did it change? What, how was it different than what your life was like before? Well, before, certainly, I was seeking after uh, what would feel good, I think. And part of the change was uh, all of a sudden I was in front of 5,000 fans in Snohomish, Washington, telling them about my relationship with Jesus, which would have never happened prior to that. I would have been maybe telling someone about how great I shot it or, you know, whatever. Okay, so the cool thing about Sean, Sean is, was an athlete, and now you're a gym owner, and, and you said that uh, you've actually learned some things about being a gym owner that uh, applies right. to your relationship with God. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Uh, I wanted to use an illustration, if that's okay, and I yep. thought about, I didn't tell you this, I thought about making you lie down on the on the ground, and I was going to stretch you. Really? But I won't. <laughs> oh, I won't. I won't. <laughs> this was be not part of, of the plan. Be kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yes, see, I got yeah, to, you, didn't you I? Did. Uh, so my wife and I own a small uh, personal fitness training business, and uh, and I was thinking about what, what does it mean uh, for me? What well, you have to trust God, and 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 I've gone through different phases. I think we probably all have. Uh, and one of them, the illustration I want to use. Now, listen, if you have a bad shoulder, a bad elbow, or a bad uh, wrist, don't do this. Okay. Right, so you're taking responsibility for yourselves, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you a little bit about stretching. Okay, so everyone that wants to, everyone that wants to, put your arm out in front of you. Don't hit the person in front of you. Okay, if you do, it's my fault. Okay, and I'm gonna teach you about dynamic stretching. You're waving to the baby. Hi, baby. How are you? You're sure cute. Right. You're rodeo waving, right? You're a rodeo princess, guys. Do it. Keep going. 
All right, you got it? All right, that's dynamic stretching, right? And then there's another type of stretching. Paul, will you grab, will you? I'm gonna show it to you, <laughs> right? This is static here, stretching. Here, I'll Thanks, hold Paul. it for you. This is static stretching. Just put your arm out, lock your arm, and hold that. Can you feel the muscles on your forearm stretching? They're contracting, saying, I don't wanna go any farther. Look at your wrist, it only goes so far, right? The next thing we're gonna do is called contract, relax stretching. So now, same position. I want you to push back against your hand hard, right? And then relax and see what happens. Do those muscles elongate a little? Did you notice that? That's contract, relax. So in my life, when I was a young believer, in terms of relating to God about money in particular, I was really good at the baby stretching. Like I felt more comfortable just doing what I felt comfortable doing. I didn't want to I didn't want to expand and give. And then as I became an uh, older believer, I kind of liked the stretching that hurt a little, but I wasn't really sure that I wanted to go any farther than that. And now as a, as a, as a believer that's been believing for a while, I like to contract, relax, because what I'll do is I'll fight against God a little, and then I relax, and I'll let God take over. And what I've seen in my own life, uh, is just magnificent, and it's not necessarily $6,000 back. More than anything, it's in my relationships with the people that I, that I live with, my family, and the people that I work with. So has it been worth it? Is that stretching, <laughs> did, did it work out? I mean, It has, yeah. God has stretched me in many ways, and, and I've been able to relax and allow God to do it. All right, Sean, yeah. thanks a cool. lot for cool. joining us. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, thanks. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's, there's a word for that. I don't know what it is. I don't either. The foul tip. Okay, okay. Thanks. thanks. Thanks to Sean. All right, so uh, stretching, stretching, and, 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 and money, and uh, we've got a lot of concepts here, but the, the thing that we, we see is, is that relationships last. Money doesn't last. Relationships are important, and they make a big difference. Uh, this is what God said about it, or, or Paul said about it in 2 Corinthians. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. You know what I found as I've gotten older is that I can't read anymore. Um, maybe, Sean, I should probably just have you read everything. It is on? Okay. Thank you. So this is what Paul says. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on each occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this, the service of which you proved yourselves, others will praise God to the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity in sharing with him and with everyone else. And in their prayers in your hearts will go out to you because your, your surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. So if you're generous, God is generous with us. He's given us everything, and we should be generous to other people. It was interesting, even yesterday while I was uh, making copies of this uh, script, uh, a homeless man walked into K2 and said he needed money for uh, the, the train. And I thought, wow, is, is God just coming at me everywhere I go? And so I gave him money for the train, but he said, 
My name is John. Will you please pray for me? So actually, if you think that there's a, there's a homeless man out there named John, I'm hoping you'll pray, pray for him. But the cool thing is, is that when we're generous with our money, we're generous with God, people see that and they praise God. So that's a, that's a really cool thing. So number three, this is the third part of the, the verse. Let's hope I can read it this time. It's uh, Luke, the last three verses. It's probably up on the screen, right? I better just read it up there. <laughs> whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So you've been trustworthy in ha handling worldly wealth. Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So world, worldly people get this. They get that relationships are important, that if you, if you treat re relationships well, people are going to trust you. They're going to do things for you. And, and God is asking us to be equally shrewd. He wants us to, the way we handle our money, the way we handle each other, uh, he wants to make sure that we're trustworthy. So are, are, you, are you trustworthy in your business dealings? Do people know that when, when you're, you're, you're making a deal with them that you're trustworthy? Are, are you trustworthy in your relationships? Um, have you ever been with a person who is always talking bad about somebody else? Does that make you feel like you can trust that person with your secrets, with your things that you have to say? It doesn't make you feel trustworthy. So I wanted to share with you uh, an experience I had 13 years ago. I went on a, a missions trip to Honduras, and uh, back then I was a reporter for Channel 4, so I took a little video camera with me. But the lesson I learned here sticks with me today. So let me share with you what I learned in, in Honduras. And, and let me just warn you before you see the video. This was in my PHBG period, post hair, before goatee. <laughs> Take a look. Utahns travel to Honduras to offer a helping hand and help build a church. News for Utah's Paul Murphy went along and he joins us now with more. Paul, how was it? It was so much fun, more fun than anyone expected. We went there to give, but we ended up getting a lot more in return. <laughs> Hand tools, humidity. Hey, who's the strong ones? Honduras. <laughs> 15 Utahns with little or no construction experience are spending their own money and two weeks of vacation to hammer and haul rocks. Workers include a gift shop owner from St. George. It's probably one of the best ways to spend a vacation. And a third grader from Murray. It's really fun because the work is just fun. The Utahns have money, but little time. The Hondurans have time, but little money. Together, they will try to build a church. Right now, the congregation worships under a tent. Antonio Almendares is the pastor and the project manager. He doesn't speak English. No trabaja, no come. And his construction crew doesn't speak Spanish. No work, no eat. Get to work. Trabajamos 
más unidos. We are united in the physical work as well as in the work of the Lord. En la obra del Señor. The work started nine years ago with Mission to Americas, a group that's been bringing people from the United States to build churches, homes, and schools in Central America. And if they had to do it on their own, it would take them 10 years probably. And so we're here to help them speed up the process. Some of the time here is spent making crafts. Sharing Bible stories. It's an eye opener. It's an eye opener. And a heart opener. <laughs> and just having fun with the kids. <laughs> they're fun. Yeah, they're cool. They're cool. Construction is hampered when it starts to rain. Each downpour is sudden and strong. But when the weather finally clears, the work goes late into the night. Okay, be careful. But it's still not enough to reach the goal of pouring a concrete roof. A disappointment for the Utahns, but not the Hondurans. In the end, everyone realizes this isn't about building a church, but building relationships. That they're happy with so little, and when we're back in the States, we're so unhappy with so much. It's about tearing down walls between those who have <laughs> and those who have a lot more than anyone realizes. The Hondurans plan on pouring that roof a few days after we left, which really is better. The Hondurans will know we helped, but it won't be the church the gringos built. But still, I am sold. How in the world does someone get involved in a project like this? Well, just about anybody can go. This trip was organized by Grace Baptist Church in Bountiful, but Mission to America has been taking congregations from all over the United States and from all different faiths. So they'll take about anybody to go down and build a church. Maybe one, even you, Barb. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, one last question, would you do it again? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. It was, it was the most fun I've ever had. Thank you, Paul. Hmm. So I was younger then. <laughs> um, and the truth is, a couple years ago with some of the people that are here uh, today, I was able to go back to Honduras again, and I truly miss the people down there. Did you see that little boy with the, the, the big grin without any teeth? His name is Pipi, and it's not Pepe, it's Pipi, and it's exactly what you think it means. His name is Pipi, and he lived in a cardboard box, happiest little kid I'd ever met, and I was just thinking, wow, it'd be awesome to see Pipi again. The pastor in that uh, story, uh, when we did the interview with him, uh, there, there was no light in his house. And so he went next door to borrow a light bulb so, because he, he was too poor to have a light bulb and put in the light bulb so long enough for us to do the interview. And then the, the, the gift shop owner, she was from St. George. Um, people for months after said to me and said to her, they, they kept repeating that line. They're so happy with so little, but back here in the States, we're so unhappy and we have so much. And she, uh, as a gift shop owner, back, back in that day, she was making her living selling Beanie Babies. Remember Beanie Babies? People used to love Beanie Babies. And at that time, people literally would break into her store to get Beanie Babies. People would punch each other out to get the most valuable Beanie Babies. And she brought bags and bags of Beanie Babies, gave them to these kids, and the kids ripped off the labels, 
went out and played in the dirt with the Beanie Babies. She says, this is the first time I've ever been happy with Beanie Babies. <laughs> so it reminded me uh, of a verse that, uh, where Jesus said it in Matthew. And, you know, the thing I learned is I've got to get a bigger Bible. <laughs> I cannot read. Oh, Jesus, help me read. I'll just read it up here again. <laughs> Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break. Is that what I just read? It's in seal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, what kind of a treasure are you building? Are you, are you building up true riches in heaven? Are you building up uh, relationships with other people? Are, you, are you, you getting that intimate relationship with God, with people because of the way you handle yourself and the way you handle your money? Are you going to end up with a bunch of Beanie Babies? We actually have a box of Beanie Babies still at our house, which surprised me. Um, so the hope that we, we learned from here today is, one, we're managing someone else's money. God has given us everything. And the way we handle our money says something about us. And two, we're preparing for our future. We're actually making decisions today that will have a lifetime and even eternal consequences. And three, we're, we're gaining God's trust. We gain God's trust, not that he cares about our money, but he cares about our hearts and he wants our hearts. So put your hearts in things that are eternal, things that are rich, things that really matter and not in things like Beanie Babies. So actually some of the people here at K2 really did put their, their trust in God, put their trust in other people. During this past Chris, Christmas, uh, K2 asked people to give a portion of their Christmas presents or what they were going to spend on Christmas for a thing called Lovolution. So check out this video and uh, see what happened. Thanks for having me. <laughs> 